What's up everybody? Welcome back. It has been a couple weeks because I've been on the road uh, a lot, but life is settling back down a little bit and we are back with the Friday podcast and it is good to be here. It is, well, it is the longest daylight day of the year if you are in the northern hemisphere. I almost said the longest day of the year, but they're all roughly 24 hours. But if you're in the southern hemisphere, you will start getting daylight back from us northerners as we uh, head into summer here. It is, uh, yeah. So anyways, happy solstice day, if you will. And here we are. So been a busy week, a lot of things going on. Interesting thing came out of Google this week. Google is officially throwing in the towel on tablets throwing it in um they came out and said hey we're canceling some tablet projects we're not giving up on android for tablets and if you want a tablet you're gonna have to go find a partner more than likely samsung if you're if you're not buying an ipad you should more than likely probably be buying a samsung tablet or maybe maybe an amazon fire tablet in my opinion but google is officially conceding that hey they can't really compete and tablet just maybe maybe tablets aren't a great market um, for anyone other than apple and maybe you could argue that the surface pro is a tablet as well so maybe it's good for microsoft too in some respects but basically apple owns the market with an with a tablet with a tablet specific os and so there you go nobody else is really really doing all that much there um, and finding it hard to compete or may more than likely just finding it hard to make money uh, at that level. So interesting thing, Apple also recalled some batteries on their MacBook Pro. If you have that, you might be wanting to look into, well, if you have a MacBook Pro, you should probably look into make sure you're not impacted by that. But if you are, you can go get your free battery. Well, free, you know, whatever. You paid for it at one point or another. Um, on the Microsoft side of life, Microsoft has finally, finally rolled out Hyper-V Server 2019. I know everyone's been waiting for that. I'm actually curious if you are running that as to why. I would love to know, but um, it was delayed for a while. We don't really know why either, but uh, if, you're, if you've been holding out for that, yeah, it's, uh, it, there you go. Uh, Microsoft also bought, well, I should say GitHub, which is owned by Microsoft, but Pool Panda. I really just like saying that name, Pool Panda, uh, for GitHub, which is going to enhance the service. So if that makes sense to you, you know, congratulate. No, but really, realistically, this is just Microsoft uh, shoring up some of the GitHub services with acquisitions, and that's not all that surprising. On the Windows side of life, Microsoft released Windows Insider Build 18922 to fastering users. Not publicly, they, there wasn't a whole lot in there, uh, but Microsoft did actually ship an updated Cortana application. You kind of got to weasel through the weeds uh, to enable it, but the new Cortana experience is there, and it, honestly, it looks just like the, very similar to the phone experience, but now on the PC. This has sort of just been a weird thing for Microsoft. They have Cortana, and then they keep like changing it and shifting it, and it just never really feels like solidified, if that makes sense, in Windows, because it was a part of Search, now it's not a part, now it's a separate thing, and whatever. Uh, if, if you've been wanting to play with that, there's instructions online about how to do that. But yeah, that is uh, just the updated Cortana experience coming to Windows 10. You can also rename virtual desktops if you use that feature. Um, it doesn't fully work yet in this latest release, but it does appear that that functionality is coming. Now, what we hope to see is that those will actually be retained because if you think about it, being able to save a virtual desktop into Windows Timeline, which is that feature that, well, exactly as it says, allowed you to kind of scroll through time, that would actually be pretty helpful because if you, if you could go back and click a desktop, a virtual desktop and have all that content repopulate just in one simple click that would actually be pretty nice so we will see if that is coming 
Microsoft also released this week uh, Microsoft Edge preview for Windows 7 and 8 slash 8.1. So if you're running those older versions of Microsoft's Windows platform, you can now install Edge. Now, it is the Canary build. They did not release a developer release. On Windows 10, you can now download Canary or developer. There isn't a proper beta release yet. Not yet. But on those older builds, you can only grab the Canary bit. So just keep that in mind that it might be a little less stable than you might be wanting. And then finally, uh, Microsoft To Do is now available in the Mac App Store. This, I, for some reason, I thought this was available a while ago. Maybe I was thinking of the preview stuff that I had access to. Um, but yeah, anyways, so the Mac app is now available. To Do is actually a pretty great application. If you're looking for a free task management application that kind of ties into the rest of the Microsoft ecosystem, Wait, you can't do any better than uh, to do. Um, jumping into Xbox stuff this week. So Xbox stuff, new Game Pass. We got Resident Evil uh, Revelations. We got Rare Replay. We've got Tides of uh, Torment, Tides of Numerna. I, I'm terrible with pronunciation if you've watched this. And Goat Simulator, which I actually bought. It's a fun little game. Um, you should go check it out. It's I don't think you're going to invest a ton of time into it, but it's a nice kind of casual game, if you will. Now, interestingly enough, Microsoft is now telling us what games are leaving Game Pass. So we have Next Up Hero will be gone June 27th, Dead Island Definitive Edition, uh, Devil May Cry 4, Shadow Complex Remastered, Ultimate Mar Marvel's Capcom, and Zombie Army Trilogy will all be leaving on June 30th. So this, I've been trying to understand what the actual business model is of Game Pass, because you think about it, it's incredibly cheap, especially now with this Ultimate stuff, like some people are getting crazy deals where it's only costing them a buck to get a whole bunch of time. So my best theory here is other than the Microsoft games, which Microsoft, that's a whole different thing, but for third-party games, which we see come and go from the Game Pass experience, my guess is that Microsoft goes to these companies and say, hey, look, give us your older titles, right? And we will promote them and say, hey, look, these are coming to Game Pass. They're coming. You can come play them, but they're not going to be available forever. And then the hope is that maybe somebody is playing Devil May Cry 4 and they get really into it and then it leaves the service and then they actually go buy the game after it's out of Game Pass. I wonder if that is Microsoft's pitch to these developers to get these games in, because if you think about it, there's gotta be some sort of monetary reason why somebody would take a game that you previously had to pay for and put it into a service which quote unquote makes it free if you're paying for the Game Pass service. I know it's not technically free, but you know what I mean. And so that is my best guess at how the business model or the business pitch goes for Microsoft. If anybody has any insight about how that works, I would love to know, I would love to know. Um, and then the other thing, which I did another video on this channel earlier this week, and if you're listening to the audio podcast, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, Microsoft is shifting their focus to one primary top end next gen console. Previously, we had Anaconda and Lockhart, and Lockhart has been, it's gone, at least for, for now. There's some other things happening, though, with xCloud and that stuff that we'll talk about uh, um, when the time is right that I'm hearing about, but I'm not quite ready to go into yet. Anyways, uh, next-gen console is going to be focused on Anaconda for the hardware, and so keep that in mind. There's a lot of questions about, is it more powerful than PS5 or not? I, I think people are getting caught up too much in the minor details about this stuff. Everything's going to do 4K 60 frames per second or better next-gen, and that is the only benchmark that really matters on PlayStation, Xbox, or anything else at this point. So um, that is the big news of the week. A bunch of questions came in and we are going to dive into those. And here, let me refresh the page. And here we go. Wait for it to pop. There it is. An old Amiga user says, any more news on Windows Lite? No, we haven't really heard anything. Something's strange in the neighborhood. I suspect, honestly, that it's the shift from 
the older version of Edge to the new version of Edge based on Chromium. I believe that is my best estimate as to what the delay has been with that OS. Um, we might see it later this year, still not confirmed at this time. Uh, Luke said, toward the end of last year, Microsoft announced a new style for the Office icons. They also said that the new style will be applied to all product icons across Microsoft's brand. So why do the new Xbox apps and Game Bar and PC have completely different styled icons that look like Windows 8 tile icons with shadows, aka terrible? Did the Xbox team not get the memo? Yeah, uh, my <laughs> Microsoft and design are really like kind of like opposing forces if you will if you look if you go back and look at fluent which they made such a big deal about at what was that build 2018 was it 18 or 2017 whatever it was um it was supposed to be this massive design shift across all of microsoft and it's here and there or wherever but it's not like an overarching theme for everything that microsoft does each org just kind of does their own thing and sometimes they accept the fluent design and sometimes they don't uh, the fact that the Xbox team is using a different style icon from the office team does not surprise me in the slightest because again communication internally or that that collaboration that's supposed to happen to create a consistency across the company for design styles has always been terrible and I don't see that changing anytime soon unless there's a really significant top-down initiative from uh, Mr. Satya. Uh, Avarado says, hey Brad, since Xbox Lockpart, Lockpart has been canned in favor of just having one console for Scarlet, what are the odds that the Xbox just uses the Xbox One X and S as their low-tier replacements? I never understood why Lockhart existed when the Xbox One S are available. Wouldn't it make more sense to update dashboard software to allow that Scarlet? So that's so basically his argument is why have Lockhart around when the Xbox One X can do 1080p gaming at 60 frames per second? It's not a bad argument or thought at all. And I do wonder if this actually played into Microsoft's um, next generation plans. What we don't know, and this will be the deciding factor, and GameCore might actually play into this, which I think somebody asked about later, is if it can make next generation games just run natively and easily on the Xbox One X without any overhead, any, any, any additional computer, or not compute, but tasks related, I think that would make a lot of sense that they could keep that on the market, sell it for I don't know, 199 right? Replace the low-end device, and there you go. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Microsoft has its multi-tiered strategy. But at the same time, I think it's going to come down to there's going to be some naming issues going on, right? People want to buy the next-gen console. Is the Xbox One X really next-gen? No, not really, because it's still using the old Jaguar course. What's still a very capable gaming console. Um, that might be... The, the issue is going to be the games and making sure that everything just works really seamlessly and easily. And if they can get that, then I think that's a very plausible theory. Uh, Delta Prime says, in his annual review, Jeff Gerstman, I believe is how you pronounce it, of Giant Bomb, Phil Spencer was very dismissive of the rumors around Windows Game Core, saying that the State of Decay test of Win32 in the store, not Game Core, and that the wider number of hardware configuration makes it basically impossible. So Brad, what is the latest you've heard on Game Core? Is it still happening? And why did we not see it at E3? Okay, first off, you would not see, I don't think you would see Game Core at E3. Game Core is, per my understanding, it's an underlying substructure of API elements that make it easier to develop cross-platform. If they were going to talk about Game Core, it would have been at GDC back in May. And so I don't think Microsoft had ever really come out and say, hey, here's Game Core. This is... This is all it, and I mean, maybe they might do it some with some marketing spin, but it's a really technical thing for developers only. And so, uh, 
what Phil, I mean, I'm not going to just, just go against Phil. Phil obviously knows this better than anybody else on the planet. At the same time, you got to remember that when executives and marketing people talk to the press, they're not trying to convey what actually might be the full agenda as opposed to what makes sense right now. Point being, when Phil said in the interview about uh, Lockhart not being really a thing, he when he joked about they launched consoles, um, he was referring to the Xbox One All Digital Edition and Anaconda, where I firmly believe when he said consoles at E3 2018, he was actually referring to Lockhart and Anaconda and um, some other stuff going on with xCloud. So, anyways, my... My belief is that GameCore is still going to just make it easier to develop PC and Xbox One games at the same time. You got to remember the next gen X Xbox is very, very close to just off the shelf components that is a custom PC. We used to have things like power PC cores from IBM and all sorts of different things trying to eke out the greatest performance with like cell processors that Sony did. That is all gone to the wayside because Intel processors or AMD processors or whoever um, are basically up to snuff to do that what is needed for console gaming. That being said, there's still little differences going to be between Anaconda and, say, a PC, namely like Xbox Live integration and all that stuff. GameCore is supposed to make the development between PC and Anaconda very, very similar so that it's easier to build once and distribute it to both platforms. It's not something that Microsoft is just going to come out and just start championing um, all over the place. At least that is how I interpret it. A game zone says, have you tried out Game Pass for PC and did you like it? Apparently Microsoft made the API optional for developers to use some of the some games as therefore released without Xbox Live features and achievements. And in my opinion, Xbox on PC loses its identity without that and becomes just a launcher lacking features. So I have not tried it personally because I when I play games on PC, they're almost always RTS games. If it's going to be an FPS, almost anything else, minus maybe flight sims, um, it's almost always on a console. I just, I just prefer that experience better. I like the controller. It's just easier for me to plop my butt down in a chair and just fire up the console and not really use the keyboard and mouse because to me, keyboard and mouse in my brain says work. Um, so I haven't tried it, but I do believe you are correct in saying that the API was made optional for developers to use for the Xbox Live stuff because Microsoft previous life tried to make some of that stuff mandatory and it didn't work out. Microsoft's intent is to get more games into the Game Pass experience rather than working on explicitly Xbox Live deep integration at this point because they need the games in Game Pass to help make it a success, not so much the Xbox Live stuff because you got to remember their target audience isn't really Xbox Live gamers. Don't with an asterisk up here. Um, I believe it's more of PC gamers who aren't accustomed to Xbox Live stuff and achievements and all that because they typically play on the PC, not on a console. So uh, Andre says, hi, Brad, what does Microsoft plan when or why does Microsoft plan to promote Teams for Life when uh, Kazala would be the perfect WhatsApp competitor. So Microsoft has a WhatsApp competitor. It's called Skype, and it's not really doing much of anything. So the reason why Microsoft is going to push this Teams for Life thing, which I think it might be coming in around the October timeframe, by the way. Um, not confirmed, but that's what I believe it might be coming around then. We'll see. Is that they're trying to incorporate right collaboration inside the family. Um, Teams for Life is going to be something different than WhatsApp. WhatsApp right is primarily a chat application, while Teams for Life is a going to be have, include chat. It also includes things like calendar, file share, and a whole bunch of other stuff for basically interfamily collaboration. One calendar to rule them all, um, that sort of thing. So I, it's basically take Teams for corporate, but trying to integrate it into life. And I think that might be the launch of how they try to push like a Microsoft 365 for the consumer, if you will. 
CPS Turn Dog says, Hi, Brad. Uh, what is the. Have you seen this deal that came out at E3? Oh, this is really cool. Uh, for $1, it adds the time remaining on your Xbox Live Gold and your Xbox Game Pass membership, adds a month, and converts the sum total into a Game Pass Ultimate up to 36 months. Um, this is, you can find this on threat.com slash forum slash Sam's Report slash podcast. Just look for this date. It is a great link on Slick Deals. Basically, for a buck, you get into the Game Pass Ultimate Experience. It is wonderful. If you're looking to play more games and you don't want to do anything, just go hit this deal up, and you can get some free months of stuff. I This is goes back to that idea of, like, how is Microsoft making money on this? Um, mostly because I remember going to Blockbuster as a kid, and I think paying $4.99, so roughly 5 bucks to rent a game for a week. Like, you can look at the, the math there, it would take 20 bucks at Blockbuster's rate for one game, and this was, gosh, like, late 90s, maybe? And, yeah, you look at Microsoft's pricing, like, it, it's a really good value. Like, it's hard to underscore, like, how cheap this makes gaming for a lot of people. Uh, Felipe says, uh, Hi, Brad. How will Microsoft solve the cheaters problem on PC games? This is a big deal on Steam today. Millions of accounts banished every month, something that does not happen on consoles as far as I know. I believe the only way uh, is to restrict access to game files in the OS, but I don't see how Microsoft can get away with that. So first off, let, let's roll that back a little bit. Their cheating does occur on the console. It's just far less than it is uh, like it was. You've got to remember, like, back in the Xbox 360 days, especially the Xbox One, like, not One, the original Xbox days, there was a lot of custom firmware modding going on. Um, you could just solder on chips and basically hack the games and all that stuff. So console hacking has happened in the past. It's not as rampant. You are absolutely right. It occurs a lot more on PC. So how is Microsoft going to control this? Well, they have applications. Actually, there was, what was, there was an anti-cheat um, app that was blocking a lot of Windows updates for a while. I don't know if Microsoft is necessarily going to get into the uh, game of trying to block cheaters on a specific game level. I could see them doing it at like the Xbox Live level if that integration comes fully to the next service, but typically they release or rely on the game developer to do the anti-cheat stuff because that's a pretty, Microsoft doesn't want to play the hand of God here, at least per my understanding, when it comes to PC gaming. Now granted, they do ban people on Xbox Live on the console, that is a different thing, but on the PC game, it's a little bit more Wild West. So uh, what's the next question here? NGC224 says, what are the chances of Microsoft releasing Surface Headphones V2 this year with, with a wife slash noise canceling feature? Um, well, first off, they have noise canceling, um, not wife canceling. Uh, I can't help you there, but actually I can tell you almost every single noise canceling headphone out there suffer. It, like canceling out voices is a lot harder than canceling out, say like the drone of an airplane engine and all that because right drones of airplane engines are pretty static volume and all that stuff it's easier to isolate and remove that um voices is much harder now the service headphones do do a decent job at it but the question is when is v2 going to arrive i don't know exactly i have heard that there is a black version of the headphones floating around i don't know when they're going to ship and there's also the earbuds uh which i am personally waiting for but i don't know exactly when they are going to ship and then he says uh yoshi says what are the chances of my current library of owned xbox one games becoming available on the pc and i mean through the new xbox app not buying them on the pc um i don't I don't think that's, unless it was part of Xbox Play Anywhere, with that caveat, 
Um, I don't think that you're just magically going to get the PC game version if you bought the Xbox One, unless you're in Game Pass. I think that's going to be the, the easiest and only way. Um, in theory, Microsoft could do this, but I don't know what the advantage would be, especially as they're trying to push this Game Pass across multiple multiple platforms as the priority. Uh, thinking about next gen and wondering, do I even need to want to spend money on a console with the renewed focus on PC? This is micro. This is the brilliance of Microsoft right now. Phil has said it time and time and time and time again. He wants to sell games, not hardware. Right? He wants to sell games on PCs. He wants to sell games on Xbox. He wants to sell games where gamers are. That's how uh, xCloud is going to fit into it. So if your preferred platform is PC, I think that the future of PC gaming is looking brighter than it had in previous years. So if that's what you want to do, by all means, go for it. I don't think you're going to be missing out on too much. But for someone like myself, I still prefer consoles and I will be getting the Anaconda console no matter what, unless it's like a million bucks, then I will not um, because my wife will shoot me and I don't have the Surface headphones to cancel out my wife yet. Um, but no, but really, I, I mean, I'll be buying a, an Anaconda and that that's just kind of where I'm headed personally, because that's what I enjoy. The thing that Microsoft is doing is play games where you like to play them. That is that is the best thing that can happen for gamers. And that is what Microsoft is doing. Uh, Palugatha says, with with Seashell, which is, that is the composable shell that Microsoft is working on for Windows, is it possible Microsoft provides a dock-like iPad OS? Are they really focusing their efforts on Electron with Windows Lite OS? That doesn't seem promising. Um, it, so there kind of sort of is a dock in some of the current light windows light versions it's not like what you're thinking like ipad os dock it's more kind of like chrome os style dock that does exist um i believe it will run electron actually what what i think the other hold up to is microsoft is working on win32 application virtualization inside of windows if that doesn't make sense think of sandboxing a win32 app inside of windows which is a pretty big deal for a lot of different reasons. And that could be one of the reasons why that has been kind of slowing down. It's not a simple, trivial thing to do, but that they're working on that. And so I'll be curious to see if that happens, um, which would also make Electron much more viable. But primarily, I believe it's going to be like PWA, UWP style applications um, I, with the heavy focus on PWA, although Microsoft has done really funky stuff in the store uh, lately about what lap apps they let in. So it'll be still in development. Let's just call it that way. And Matt Dinas says, he's got two questions here. He says, what do you make of the reports that PS5 in developer form is currently more powerful than Scarlet? I, there's a, it's too early is what I take of that. Because first off, dev kits are always, always like ramped up. More RAM, more compute, more better graphics and all that good stuff. And so my gut and I still firmly believe that both these consoles are going to be pretty close in terms of raw performance. There, there's obviously not going to be exactly the same, but I don't think there's going to be some sort of like generational leap where um, Sony is doing 4K at 240 frames per second and uh, Microsoft is doing 4K at only 30 frames per second. Like, I don't think it's going to be that big of a computational difference. Um, I, again, it's going to all come down, I believe, to content, content, content is what Microsoft is focused on. That's why they're buying all these studios. That's why they're basically churning all this stuff out. And so that is going to be the differentiator next gen, not so much the hardware. I think we're getting close to where it being pretty much a commodity because you got to remember both Sony and Microsoft are going to the AMD partsman, picking out a, a CPU, picking out a, um, a, a graphics card, and then doing some RAM and some stuff. It, it's basically a computer. It's basically just a gaming PC, a, a custom form factor game PC. So, uh, and what is happening with 19H2? Why the silence? That's This is the ongoing question. Microsoft was supposed to release the information. We talked about this earlier in the podcast. 
it only points to one thing that it's going to be a bug fix or pretty minor release, which is what it should be. I have no problems with that. I just wish Microsoft would make come clear about what is going on. Um, I can't imagine that they would hold that off until the October event. That would be kind of nuts, but here we are. So, all right, guys, uh, that wraps it up for today. It is, uh, well, wrapping up the end month of June. We got to think one more week of June, and then we'll be into July, middle of summer. It should be getting hot and spicy outside. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend. As always, I appreciate you guys tuning in and dropping those questions.